0: Hey and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen.
1: Hey, if you've been with us the last uh, couple, I guess it's months now at this, at this rate. Uh, the last couple months, we've been journeying together as a church family through the book of James, and we're going to continue to do that today. Has anybody been enjoying the book of James? Yeah? Yeah. All the psychotic people are like, yeah, I love it, it's awesome, like hurts, you know? book of James is rough, y'all. Last week, Pastor Brian uh, tackled the, the whole Taming the Tongue passage in, cha- in chapter three, and so I knew I was going to have to preach this week. I'm like, yes, thank God. I had to preach on Taming the Tongue, and then I got to the passage this week. I'm like, dang it. Can somebody switch with me? Like, it doesn't get any better. So be encouraged. Uh, we're we're kind of going in round two today. Pastor Brian led us off round one, uh, chapter three last week, and we're going to pick up right where he left off uh, this week in James chapter three. If you want to turn there, uh, starting in verse 13, we're going to ta- talk about two types of wisdom today. Two types of wisdom. Here we go. I'll just read the whole thing. Ready? Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. Yikes. of righteousness. Let's pray together before we dive in. Lord, help us to understand your word. Help us to be changed by it. Help us to not just be hearers today, but, but doers. And help us to grow in true wisdom as a result of your word. We love you. And we thank you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So scripture talks a lot about wisdom, right? Like we've got an entire book dedicated to wisdom, the book of Proverbs, like uh, in the totality over the course of scripture, there's wisdom is specifically mentioned about 200 times, depending on your translation. And so, uh, you know, we could stand up here for a long time and, and talk about wisdom. Everything the Bible says about wisdom, everything it says about the opposite of wisdom. But just to name a few today, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 8 says this, the one who gets wisdom Loves life, the one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. It's great. Proverbs three fifteen, she is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. And all the ladies in the building are like hitting your husband, like, I told you, I told you, I am wise. Like, it's referring to wisdom as a she, like, I told you. You know, all the ladies in the room are like, amen. We see that in the book of Proverbs. He, he, he does it a lot. He, he uses she in reference to wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 through 9, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. I love that. It's like straightforward. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. I love that. Here for it. Though it costs you all you have. Don't love that. Get understanding, right? Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown, and we could go on forever about wisdom, right? But the point is, I think scripture makes it very clear that we ought to desire to grow in our wisdom. Like, it's a good thing to be wise, right? And conversely, it talks a lot about being a fool. It talks about foolishness and folly, almost double the amount it talks about being wise. It's like he knows something about us. Like, we need to be told not to be a fool more than we need to be told to be wise. Just to name a few, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3 says this, A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. Yikes. Proverbs 14, verse 7, I love this one, says, Stay away from a fool. All the parents are like, Amen. Stay away from a fool. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 12 says this. It is better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. You don't want to meet a bear who's, who's been robbed of her cubs, right? It's better to be in that situation than to be around a fool who is bent on folly. And so well, the, the text is covered with wisdom and foolishness be wise don't be a fool. And so James we get to we get to this verse this verse 13 in, in James chapter 3 and he asks us the question like who is wise and understanding among you? Great question. Like who is wise and understanding among you? It says let him show it right by his good deeds, by his good life. This is a tough this is a tough question to answer who is wise among you because Wisdom is hard to define, right? Like, is it knowledge? Is it experience? Like, what exactly is wisdom? And I think the point of this passage today and what what he's gonna help us see is that it is tough to define, but you'll know it when you see it. You'll know true wisdom when you see it. And he's gonna give us some characteristics over the next few verses of how to distinguish false wisdom from true wisdom, right? Because wisdom is not just a a matter of possessing knowledge and growing in intellect, although it it is partially that, but it is effectively applying that knowledge and intellect into your deeds and action and life. Like you don't go to a doctor Right? Like you would be a fool to go to a doctor who has every disease memorized, all the spelling, what the, the, the language it comes from. And then conversely, he has all of the medications known to man that he could possibly ever give anybody, but he's got no idea how to treat the disease with a medication. Like he doesn't understand that if you have a headache, you should take some Advil maybe or drink some water. How about that, he's probably dehydrated. Like he doesn't—he doesn't, he doesn't have—he doesn't correlate the two. Like he has all this knowledge, you would never go to someone like that who doesn't know how to apply it, because wisdom does not mean more information. Like having more information and more knowledge does not make you more wise. And true wisdom, as we're going to discover in James chapter three. Is not strictly intellectual, but is behavioral. It is mostly behavioral. And so he, he begins, like, okay, well, what's, he starts laying it out for us. What's false wisdom? We pick up in, in uh, verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. For such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly. It is unspiritual, and it's of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to kind of walk through what is false wisdom and what is true wisdom. First, false wisdom is earthly, he says. What does that mean? We live on planet Earth. Great. False wisdom is earthly. In other words, it's like a cultural wisdom of the world. Like it's what culture indoctrinates you to believe. If you want to know an example of that, I'll give you one, ready? This is nothing new, like uh, this has been going on for a long time. Earthly wisdom looks like this. If it feels right, do it. Uh, It looks like if you want that, you should have it. Better yet, it looks like we hear this a lot. Be true to yourself. Just be true to yourself. This is, these, are, these are examples of false wisdom. He goes on to say unspiritual. In other words, not spiritual. Like it comes from our flesh. It comes from our fallen, sin-sick nature that stems from the very beginning in the garden. The prophet Jeremiah says this about the heart, that it is deceitful above all things and it's beyond cure. Like we don't have a curative to our, to our sinful flesh aside from a totally new heart that only Jesus can give us. Like it is wisdom of this earth, false wisdom is unspiritual. And a lot of people today will tell you to follow that heart. And I'll just plead with you from the beginning today to don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Follow what he says, what he defines things as, not what your heart tells you to do because it will deceive you every time. Then he goes on to say that (laughs) it's of the devil or demonic demonic just sounds worse doesn't it so I guess it's the same thing of the devil demonic but demonic just feels worse depending on which translation you read but really what he's saying this false wisdom that is demonic it's it's a twisted half truth that's what he's talking about like he, he's not he's not talking about like you know being able to recognize like this demon and you know manifest like He's not talking about that kind of false wisdom. He's talking about the small twistings of the truth that eventually lead us down the wrong path and it's demonic wisdom. We see this from the very beginning, by the way, uh, in, in Genesis chapter two. If you wanna turn there, we're gonna stay there for just a second. Genesis chapter two, uh, in the creation of man and the fall of man, like we see, Picking up in uh, chapter two, verse 15, it says this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, "If you, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So like he's created man and it's perfect. Like, it's, it's perfect. We could never ask for anything else. Like, we're in harmony and peace with God. There is no sin. There's no pain. We have anything we could ever want. You can eat anything you ever want, as much of it as you want. But just don't do this one thing. Don't eat from that tree. Everything else is, is, is within, within the limits, right? Don't eat from that tree. And so what happens? Sin enters the world. In chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, here we go. Did God really say you must not eat from that tree? Like, did he get, this is is what we're talking about. This is demonic wisdom, quite literally in the text. Like, did God really say that? Like, surely Surely he was just saying, you know, that that tree's not ready yet. Like, wait till the spring when it has better fruit. Like, surely he's not saying don't eat from it at all. Did God really say that? Well, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you... Will die. And here we go again. Demonic wisdom, twisting, half truths. <sighs> you won't surely die. Like, surely that's a metaphor for something. Like, he, like you're not gonna surely die. Make it sick, you know. It, he just doesn't want you to know what he knows. Like, he, he doesn't have your best interest at heart. You know better. This demonic half truth. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. Sin just like this. And it wasn't a, hey, God, it wasn't an approach of like, hey, God's not even real. Like you're imagining this. It wasn't this. It was, yeah, God said that, but that's not what he meant. It's a it's a half-truth twisting. This is what he's talking about in James when he says demonic false wisdom. And so, we go back to James chapter 3, verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, like I want to know knowledge, I want to know what God knows, Genesis chapter 2. Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice this every evil practice is is really like from the original language is better translated uh wasted nothingness like it's not overtly evil although it is but it's a it's a deceptive this is better for you than what god has for you kind of evil and man i think this is the most dangerous spot for the for the global church right like we're Like, we're really, really good at picking out and pointing out the overtly, obviously evil and demonic. Like, we're the first to be like, that is wrong. I don't agree with that. That's demonic. But I'm not so sure we're the best at recognizing small twists that lead down a path to destruction. And so the challenge is for us is like we got we to gotta know this well enough to be able to decipher the difference, to discern the difference between true wisdom and false wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And so that's, that's false wisdom, right? Like this, this, is what, this is what false wisdom can look like. All right, great. So what's true wisdom? Well, we pick up in verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So first of all, wisdom that is true It comes from above. Ready? This is obvious from the text. Like, it has to originate with God. Like, if you want to discern true wisdom from false wisdom, like, what's true versus what's false? What should I do? What should I not do? Like, it has to first come from God. If you look back, if you remember back a couple chapters ago in James chapter 1, James said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Like, don't try, to, don't try to figure it out in your own. Like, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So if you want to take away from what true wisdom is, here, if you're going to write something down, write this down. Ready? True wisdom must come from seeking, asking, and communing with God. Period. Like, if you conjured it up in your own flesh, from your own sin sick heart, like, it may be right, maybe the right decision, but it's not true wisdom. True wisdom has to come from God. And that action, whatever that decision is made, whatever steps are taken, uh, whatever, whatever way you operate, like, from this wisdom, like, if, if that doesn't line up, with the character of God, then it is not true wisdom. And the only way you're gonna know what the character of God looks like is if you know his character. It has to come from God. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives it. It starts With God, it reflects His character, and so we we kind of we kind of walk through the rest of this passage. Like, well, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, well, what is His character? Well, first of all, it's pure. The motive is pure. It's it's, kind of the same word as where we get holy. It's, it's holy in its motive. It's holy at its core. It's pure at heart. That's first. Second. Like, from that purity, like, we are only, we're only gonna know that and achieve that if we have a repentant heart that is only given to us by God. Like, the, the only way that our motives are ever gonna be pure and match the motives of God, the only way we're ever gonna be holy and, 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 and represent the holiness of God in any way, shape, or form is if we have a repentant heart. So, if you want to know if you're walking in true wisdom, you got to start there. Because if you don't have faith in Jesus, if He isn't, if He's not the Lord of your life, like, you're not. According to this, true wisdom has to start with God, has to come from seeking, asking, and communing with God. And so, James goes on to to talk about characteristics of of what that looks like. Like, hey, if you're walking in true wisdom, the marks of true wisdom are this. Like, wisdom is hard to define, but you know it when you see it. So, let's do a little self-examination here, or why don't we? Everybody doing okay? I know it's rough. Come on. All right. So it's first of all pure, then it's peace-loving. So like in other words, like the truly wise, like with wisdom that comes from above, love peace. I'm not talking about like the world peace pageant type of thing. Like it's it's a peace with your relationships and with the people around you. Like you're living in peace and harmony with others. And I'm not just talking about Christians and like-minded people, by the way. Like the person who loves peace should be able to walk into a room and like, be in harmony with others, regardless of if they agree with everything, if they like each other, what their belief system is, whatever it is. And I'm not saying you gotta change your belief system to walk, to, to be you know peaceful and walk in harmony, but people who believe differently than you shouldn't be on their back, on the, on their heels every time you walk in a room afraid of what you're gonna say to them. We ought to be able to walk in peace in our relationships, in our work? Like, do we carry peace with us when we walk into a room? Or do we add to the chaos? Next, it says, be considerate. Some translations use the word gentle. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 and 26 says this. I love this. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. <laughs> I love it. Sounds like something I'd say. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servants must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who opposed him, he must be gently, Able to instruct in the hope, pay attention to this, in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive. Wow, like what, what a responsibility on us. Like I'm not saying we got the power to save anybody. We don't. However, if people are on their heels every time we're around out of fear or out of like, man, that person's really judgy. Like we don't, we don't have the chance to gently welcome them, to gently steer them towards the grace and the mercy of Jesus. That's our responsibility. To walk in gentleness and be considerate of others because godly wisdom is not just what you know. Like they're not gonna care what you know, but it is behavioral. And you know it when you see it. It's then submissive. Nobody likes that word. Like when they would have read that word, they would have pictured like a person in the military who was submitting themselves under the leadership, under the mission and vision of the person leading them, regardless of their accolades, regardless of their rank. They're like, hey, forget all that. I'm with you. Wherever you lead me, I'm following. I don't care if I agree, disagree, I'm submitting to your leadership and we're going to go in the same direction together. That's, that's the picture they would have seen when they read this word <clears throat> submissive and that, man, this is so countercultural. Like somewhere we got off the rails with what it means to be a leader, what it means to lead out front. Like we think that like we... We're on this ladder climbing to the top. And if we just know enough, and if we can just build ourselves up enough to, to reach this level and then this level, and we can get this promotion and reach this, mu- this much pay for a year, and then this and this and this, then there'll come a time when we don't have to submit anymore. We can just dictate. And man, that is not what true wisdom looks like according to this text. It's submissive, it's servanthood. It's others first, me last. We have to be willing to be submissive both to the Holy Spirit and to each other. It's tough. Everybody doing okay? We're halfway home. Halfway home is brutal, sorry. This is what the text says. Be full of mercy... Are we, full, are we full of mercy? Man, like, for those of us who have trusted Jesus and know what we've been saved from and pulled out of, we ought to be able to be the most merciful and grace-filled people on the planet. And that's just not the case most of the time. Like, we're the first ones to point fingers or point out flaws, or that person's, you know, not living up to the church expectation and this and that. And man, like, if we understood They're like, we weren't just like, we were good people, but now we're great people because we got the righteousness of God. But we were dead, and now we're alive. Like, we've really understood that. We ought to be able to show so much grace and so much mercy to the people around us. So are we walking in that? This is what true wisdom looks like. You walk around full of grace and mercy as Jesus displayed for you and for me. Full of good fruit. This is a good one. Fruit of the spirit, right? Everybody knows that. Love, joy, peace, patience. I know it because my kids always sing, fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. You know, it's like want to be a coconut. All the kids ministry, people are like, yeah, we know. Can't be a fruit of the spirit because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I, I mean, these are, these are tools that we can use. Man, like, let's look at our life. Are we displaying this? We're not going to be perfect, of course. But you know true wisdom when you see it. Because it's behavioral, it's not strictly intellectual. Impartial. Don't show favoritism. This is tough. And then lastly, sincere. Some translations say without hypocrisy, and everybody's like, because <gasps> it's like a cuss word in church. You, know. you hypocrite. Be sincere or without hypocrisy. Nerd out with me for a second. I mean, I'm not the smartest by any stretch of the imagination, but through studying this week, I love this. I'll probably get the pronunciation wrong, that's fine. But our, our word sincere comes from two Latin words, okay? Sine, cara, Sine, without, cara wax. And you're like, cool, dude. Like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, awesome, sincere, without wax. Awesome. Well, if we look at history, like in ancient Greece and, and Roman times, like, the, there were sculptors in those days, Making sculptures out of clay. And what they would do if they completed their work, whether it was for them or whoever the end user was, like when they completed their work, they would look over it and they would look for flaws or look for blemishes or look for things that like, you know, wasn't wasn't necessarily the most desirable thing. Like a chip here, you know, maybe this this could look a little better. Like let's let's freshen this up a little bit and that they would they would do this and then they would they would take it in the back room and they would melt down wax into like a powder and then in that back room they would cover up all the blemishes they would they would go to the nose and like be like yeah that's not exactly perfect let's let's tweak this a little bit or, like, that person's toes look funny, you know. Like, let's, let's, let's make this a little bit better. Uh, they're looking a little big. Let's slim them down a little bit. And so they would just kind of go through it, like, pick it over with a fine-tooth comb, and they would fix all the blemishes and the imperfections, and then they would sell it or deliver it to the end user. And so there was this group of sculptors doing that, And so a group of honest people had to kind of come behind them and advertise, that's not how we do things. And so when they would present their work to the client or have it up for sale or whatever that may be, they would advertise it as sine cara, without wax. And so in other words, this is the real thing. Like this is authentic. It's not altered. It's original to its design. Like it is what it is. It's the art piece. It's not perfected. It's sincere. It's authentic. And can I just can I just maybe provide you some encouragement today? Man. God sees behind the wax. Like so many of us us walk around with like this mask and this facade on like, we don't want people to see the the blemishes or the imperfections. Like let me go in the back room, melt melt down some wax and fix myself up so that when I deliver myself to, to my family or my work or my friends, like they don't actually see the real me. They see the fake perfected me, the wax built version of me. They don't see the real thing. And what James is telling us true wisdom looks like is it looks authentic and it looks sincere because God sees you for who you are. Like you don't have to cover up in the face of an almighty God. Like he sees you, he knows you. You can try to cover up, it's not gonna work. He sees you and right where you are, no matter how you feel about yourself, he still loves you and wants a relationship with you and wants to offer you true wisdom, a life that you can't achieve on your own. And it's sincere. It's authentic. And so as we close today, I wanna circle back to to the top and I wanna ask us the question, as James does, who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. This good deeds, like good life, it comes from the Greek word kalos. And that word is where we get the word calligraphy. Calligraphy. And if you're like me, you think calligraphy and you think like national treasure, you know, where uh what's his name? This guy's name. Nicholas Cage. Nicolas Cage is like in a cave and you know, like he twists the thing and it makes the picture whole and you know, treasure opens up and like he's following all these signs that only people can lead and, and there's like etchings in the in the stone. Like that's what I think of when I think of calligraphy, but but it's really interesting if you'll bear with me for a second. Uh, the, The definition of calligraphy is a set of skills and techniques for positioning and inscribing words so that they show integrity, harmony, acknowledgement of ancestry, rhythm, and creative fire. Another definition could be Graceful strokes and intentional movements that tell a story. And so a calligraphist's job would be to like have an end story in mind, like the main idea in mind, like whether it be a date, an announcement, uh, they're, they're trying to tell a story with their words and their and their in their pictures, whatever it may be, they have the end story in mind. And so what they'll do, they'll craft their art to paint the story to where it points to the main idea. So they'll highlight this area, they'll shadow here and they'll make this part a little bit smaller and all to point to the main idea of the piece because they've got that in mind. It's skillful and intentional. And so what James is telling us here is this idea of a good life, like good conduct, good deeds. Like it's not what we think, like helping an old lady across the street and, and obeying all the 10 commandments and coming up to church every time church is open and giving to others, giving to the poor, giving to God, whatever, whatever you define as quote unquote Christian good works, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about telling a story with your life and so works and deeds aside nobody cares how much knowledge you have if you don't come into a room and people experience the peace of God nobody cares how much experience you have if you walk in and you're Not gentle with them, and they're on their heels, and they don't have nobody cares. Kalos, good deeds. So, the question is what story are we telling with our lives? Doesn't matter what story you tell with your words and your deeds. How are we walking? Are we walking in true wisdom or are we walking in a false wisdom that's mainly intellectual and doesn't translate to behavioral? What story are we telling? I'll take it a step further. Who is the lead character in your story? Is it you? my lead character in my story? Like do, I, like, do I wake up every morning dreaming about how I can advance myself? Like, what's the next step for me? What's the next goal for me? I gotta do this so I can get this promotion. Or I gotta go do this because, man, I'm just having a tough time and, and I, I need to get some joy in my life, so I'm gonna go do, do this activity. Or, I, like, I'm really stressed out, so I'm gonna turn to this substance. Like, are we waking up every morning with ourselves as the lead in the story? Because if we are, it's gonna lead to nothing but emptiness and brokenness and disappointment. And I know because I've tried it. And maybe you, you've tried it too and you know, you're like, yeah man, it doesn't work. Like going through this life, trying to fill all this void with things of the earth is only going to lead to disappointment and that is exactly the definition of false wisdom. What's next for me? What's in it for me? Follow your heart. No. No, don't do that, please. Follow Jesus. He's the only one that's going to fill the void that you have in your life. He's gonna be the reason you wake up every day and you don't need to be the lead character in your story because he's so much better. And now you're walking around in life with intentional strokes and intentional conversations and you're walking in a room thinking differently because you're telling a story with your life. And that story doesn't revolve around you. It's a story that comes from true wisdom. And so today, if that's you, if you're, if you're stuck in that cycle, man, I'm just trying to get the next. It doesn't have to be that way. Because of Jesus, it doesn't have to be that way. Like he came, died, rose, all for the forgiveness of your sins and mine so that we can walk in peace with God and have total access to the throne room of grace and have righteousness imputed to us and freedom and salvation for all of eternity. And we can have true wisdom. You can have true wisdom today that comes from God because of Jesus. Romans chapter 10 says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. That's the prerequisite. Call on the name of the Lord. That's the beginning of true wisdom. Call on his name today. And maybe, maybe that's not you today. Maybe maybe you, you, you've, been, you've been a born again believer of Jesus for a long time. And you're kind of just walking through life on autopilot. But man, like if you, if you kind of like analyze yourself according to scripture, like, Man, my life, my life screams that I'm the point of the story, and that needs to change today. Like my my life is all about me. Like my family exists to serve me. Like my job is a means to an end to exalt me. My life is a rat race that is just trying to exalt me and put me to the top and, and, and promote me Can I just tell you today that there's a better way and there's a better lead to this story? And maybe you need to repent of that today. And just as we should be, Jesus is full of grace and mercy and he loves you and he wants you to repent and live your life in a way that reflects true wisdom, graceful strokes, intentional actions that tell the story.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision, or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think, and also a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see, and that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you. We're praying for you and we'll see you next time.